Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Emotional Savvy. Today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. My guest, Lisa Marie Platsky, we're going to be talking with her about being a leader in your own life. And I wanted to spend a little time with you before Lisa Marie so that we could talk about what it really means to go for the gold and attract success in your life. And I define success however you define it on your terms, what you would feel and see as successful for you, whether that's creating a relationship, creating the life that you want, living in accordance with your values and alignment with your belief and vision, whether that's achieving goals, living by your worthy purposes, all of those things. So I just wanted to talk to you today about those very things, how you can go for the gold in your own life, how you might want to grow your business or increase your effectiveness or improve your net worth or have that emotionally intimate, wonderful partnership in your life with another human being. It all sounds really attractive, doesn't it? And that's what it is. It's attractive. Now, you may know I wrote a book. I've written 16 of them, of course, but one of them is called What You Pay Attention To Expands. It's available on Amazon. What You Pay Attention To Expands. So it's an important um, concept for us to remember that wherever your head is in the game is where your nose is going to follow you, and so are your results. So in order to attract the right people and the right opportunities and the right attention, then when you do that, you have a very high likelihood of achieving your vision. And this is all part of being emotionally savvy. So how do you become that quote unquote attractive? So I'm going to give you four ideas. You might even call them laws, um, but four ideas that will allow you to consider Am I doing this? Am I missing this piece? And what could I do about it right away? So number one is believe in your own success. So do you, do you really hold an image of yourself as successfully living your vision? Because that's important. Can you see yourself where you would be if everything in your life was as you want it to be? You need to be able to clearly hold your vision and see yourself achieving it easily. And people often add effortlessly to that. I don't think anything happens quite effortlessly because you have to at least put the effort in of focusing on your goal. And then know deep down in your heart and right down to your toes that you will succeed and expect the best. Have that mindset because remember what you pay attention to expands. And choose to focus on your best possible outcome at all times. And when you do that, you will attract what you steadily expect. 
and accept no substitutes. No doubting thoughts jumping in there about what's possible for you to achieve. No limiting beliefs. And if thoughts of failure arise, change your mind. Erase all thoughts that are unlike the success and the direction you want to be going in. And while you're at it, you might want to block out any sense of lack or limitation or want or fear of failure too. To persist in focusing on what you do want and how you'll feel when you achieve your goals. So number one, believe in your own success and keep your eyes on the prize. Number two is bring helpful people into your lives. Yes, I know so many of us have trouble asking for help. Don't be one of those people. Strong people ask for help because they're not concerned about what other people will think. They don't think people are going to think of them as weak or unknowing. They know that successful people that they ask for help are going to say, ah, yes, let me give you a hand up because they recognize your desire. So bring helpful people into your life. Do you know what kind of people you'd like to have as friends or colleagues or employees or mentors or partners or whomever? You can attract them if you'll take the time to define their qualities. It's really folly to limit your possibilities by deciding which specific persons you want to attract. I know many dating sites will tell you, you know, write down all the qualities you want and don't settle for less. That's not really so great. But define the qualities of the people you want to meet and then put your energy into being one of those people. Did you get that? Put your energy into being one of these people. Why? Because like attracts like. So on that note, my guess is that you would want to have loving people in your life, even if that's in the business arena. And I've not met many people who are looking for bitter, acidic, antisocial people to bring into their lives. So if you be the most loving you, you can be. This will bring out the best in the folks that you meet. And by the way, that approach works best with the folks you live with as well. So be loving and generous and folks will want to help you. And don't be a doormat. Don't turn yourself into a pretzel doing all kinds of things to please other people. Remember, if you've read my book, Kaizen for Couples, you know that in all relationships, couples or not, you must have mutuality for it to be sustainable. So, number one, believe in your own success. Number two, bring helpful people into your life. Now, number three, be responsible for setting things into motion. Be a cause, not an effect. Know what you want. Make clear plans to reach your goal. Doesn't mean you're going to do them all. You may attract that all into your life very easily by just doing the planning. But do the planning. And take action consistent with your vision and your plan. I know that sounds so simple, doesn't it? And it is simple, but sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes it's not immediate. And you know that. But you have to have a system. And that system involves being responsible for setting things in motion. So many folks make a life's work of being victims or results of other people's behaviors or effects of other situations. And those folks live in the land of if only. 
If only I had a happier childhood. If only I had more money. If only I was thinner or fatter or shorter or taller or younger or older, then all kinds of good things would happen to me. Please don't get caught in that stuff. It just wastes time and holds you back. It's a fancy way of procrastinating. So decide what you want and create a clear path to it. Be proactive. Turn obstacles into challenges and find a way around them. Know right down to your boots that you can succeed, that you are succeeding. Not that you will someday. You are succeeding because you are taking positive steps and putting things into action. So number three, be responsible for setting things into motion. And then the last one, number four, be persistent. I was reading a story after one Olympic, win, uh, Olympic Games, one Winter Olympic Games. And, and as I was reading the recap, there was story after story of persistence. But one young athlete had a liver transplant and still went on to win the event. And another, a world record was set by a woman recovering from mononucleosis. Do you think she had her eyes on the prize? Do you think she was going, oh, it's terrible. I don't feel awfully well. I should quit. I have an ironclad reason for quitting. No, she kept her eyes on the prize. Now, just before you want to jump all over me, I'm not suggesting you go and do things when you're ill and you should be taking care of yourself. But this particular person felt that they were quite capable of doing what it was they were trained to do, even though they had just recovered from mononucleosis. And then one of the sliders lost his grandfather through the negligence of a drunk driver only 17 days before the Olympics. I mean, great grief. He had a whole lot of things going on in his, his life, but he could focus. He could set his eyes on the prize, and he did. It was his grandfather's goal to see him win the Olympics, his grandfather's dream. And so he did it. He embraced it and he made it a reality and he triumphed through his grief. So persisting in spite of loss or illness or whatever is coming at you, maybe even be empowered by it. These people at the Olympics didn't quit and neither will you if you know what you really, really, really want. Now, I'm not trying to make this all simplistic and all woo-woo and everything. I am saying that just simply stay focused. Know what you want. Have a definiteness of purpose. Have a definiteness about what you're about in the world. And keep that in front of your eyes. Just keep it there. Know what you're moving toward and focus on that. You know, there's an old maxim um, that came what the mind can conceive and believe you will achieve. You may have read Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich. And so what the mind can conceive and believe you will achieve. Yeah, maybe you will achieve it. Maybe you'll get something close to it. Maybe you'll get something that far exceeds it. Whether or not that maxim is true is not the point. The point is that when you understand the power of focus and intention and definiteness of purpose, you have a far greater chance of having the life, the relationships, the career, the success that you want. Because you are 
attractive. You will attract these things to you when you are these things. There's no magic. You have to embody what it is you want. So when you can answer these two questions, you'll be on your way. So one is, do you know your clear, specific definition of what would be success to you in every level, whether that's attracting a partner, balancing your budget, having a career, being the, at the fitness level you want to be. Do you know what that definition of success is? Because you have to know what you're going toward. And then the second is that definiteness of purpose. Can you hold that thought to the exclusion of all others? Because all those little doubt thoughts are going to come running in there. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? Nobody can do that. You're expecting too much of yourself. All that kind of thing will creep in. But if you could hold on to that dare, that very clear, definite thought, that definiteness of purpose, then you will be on your way to having what you want in your life and creating what you want in your life. I just wanted to give you some ideas about how to work with yourself through emotional savvy because sometimes we feel disempowered and sometimes we feel alone or isolated or marginalized. You can change that within your own mind. And these are important things for you to really embody, to take in and say, yes, I can do that. So believe in your own success. Bring helpful people into your life. Be responsible for setting things in motion and be persistent. These will all help you have the emotional savvy to create the life and success you want. I hope you'll do these things. I hope you will take them to heart today. You may have heard them before, but today may be the day that you're going to take action. And there's lots more for you on my YouTube channel at For Relationship Help, F-O-R, Relationship, H-E-L-P. Go on over there. If you haven't interacted with me, know that you can and we can talk. If you want to have a session with me, you can have that. Go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. And let's talk soon. You can have the life that you want. You can work through relationship issues. You can make great decisions. I'm here to help you, and I know that you can succeed. Let's talk soon. Hello and welcome to Emotional Savvy. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. And as usual, I've brought you somebody absolutely fascinating to help us understand that it is quite possible to overcome toxicity in our life. So welcome to the program, Lisa Marie. Hello, hello, Roberta. Thank you so much for having me. It's delighted, just, just simply delighted to be here. I'm glad you're here too. So I'm going to tell everybody about my colleague and friend, Lisa Marie Pletsky. And what she is, is a person who has led an action-packed life. She came out of federal law enforcement to become the CEO <laughs> of an international leadership company called Upside Thinking Incorporated. Now she's an award-winning leadership expert. She's the author of four books. And she takes that law enforcement journey, which began on the piers of New York, so not a simple, easy place to start. Yep. 
and ended post 9-11. And she shares what exceptional leaders do differently and how to be positioned as an expert in order to seize big opportunities. So I know we all want to seize big opportunities, but in order to do that, we have to often overcome some personal um, hurdles and obstacles yeah. and things maybe we didn't even know were there. So I think one of the first things we need to talk about, Lisa Marie, is how important is it to be a leader in your own life? Ooh, what a great question. What a great question. I would have to say that that's probably the most important, the most important place to start. I, for myself, I will tell you that I was not a leader for a good portion of my life and easily was swayed back and forth by various uh, either people and or circumstances. And until that was a place that I learned how to uh, step into leadership, it, it really wasn't possible for me to lead anybody else. Uh, hard to follow, hard to follow somebody and believe somebody's a leader when you when you recognize that they can be uh, pushed and 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 pulled by the waves of life. Yes, uh, you know, certainly I asked that question coming from the place of I absolutely believe our first task is to become a leader in our own life, to actually believe we're worth investing in, to become self-aware, to change things so that we have a mindset that allows us to live our dreams and our values and our vision for our life, to live our beliefs and our purposes. But we have to know what they are. And we really have to become well acquainted with who we are. So I think it's very important to become a leader in our own life. And then we have the potential to be an exceptional leader elsewhere. So what do you think is that linking piece from being a leader in our own life to becoming a leader of a team or even a CEO? I love the question because it's the what's the bridge piece like what's the what's the puzzle piece that actually allows you to to cross over and when I have examined that for myself and have have questioned it and said like you know what is it that allowed me to be able to be somebody that people even you know paid any uh, any attention to and um, you touched on a, a few components of mission and values and vision. And that level of the word that comes to mind when I, when I see the bridge is, is clarity. Now, there are certain elements in, you know, in leadership that researchers would say are, are incredibly important, such as integrity, of course. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, great vision and the ability to have a, uh, a be a forward thinker and to uh, number number three is is actually having somebody who's who's uh, who's you know like charismatic or dynamic and and yet you know on the personal side there's your own mission your vision and values but that clarity i believe is the bridge that allows you to be able to say this is who i am and this is who i'm not yeah so that when you step into leading others you're so sure of that foundation that that bridge is is really the clarity of 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 bringing that into an organization 
So that, that for me is, is, um, is really important. And I, and I find that clarity is something that it, it's not like you, you know who you are and who you're not. And you, you always do because there's moments in my life. I mean, heck there's moments in this week you know, where, where there's greater clarity in what I'm doing and what I'm creating and what I'm moving towards. However, that bridge in order to be fully understood and, and, and follow, being worthy of being followed is, is really incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think following that is that integrity piece is that we must live and demonstrate that we live in alignment with our values and vision and beliefs and purpose. I teach negotiation in the MBA program at a university and people are always surprised in the class because the first thing that I have them do is an exercise that I developed called the value shuffle. And they say, well, why do we have to do this? This isn't a personal development class. I said, well, if you don't know who you are, you don't know who you are as a negotiator. You can't possibly establish yourself as a trustworthy person in a negotiating situation. And these are people who are going to negotiate not only with vendors and, and people, but they're going to, you know, negotiate new salaries. They're going to negotiate for a new job, but they're going to have ongoing negotiations with team members and, and with various other entities that they have to be able to build trust and they have to be able to demonstrate alignment. And if they won't and they don't, then they're not going to become leaders. They're going to be seen as I, I'm able to be pushed around in the wind and I'll be whomever somebody wants who's in front of me. And that becomes a really important part of leadership, doesn't it? I, I completely, you're, you're speaking my language. Because, <laughs> and, this, and, and also because when, when I hear you say this, it, it, it has me reflect on the times in my life where, where I was the person who was the, um, the very thin tree that was blowing every which way based on who had my ear. And simply that wasn't because um, I have the ability to see multiple perspectives. It was, it was more about the fact that that alignment with this is who I am, this is the stand that I take, and this is, this is what I believe based on my own values, my own um, understanding of, of who I am as a person, it was easy for me to be, to be swayed. And even as I look back in my early days as a supervisor in the government, that I wasn't fully you know, formed yet in my own leadership despite having received the title. And so what you speak about to be able to go back and say, let's do the values piece first, because if we're, if you're in a negotiation and you're responsible for your own uh, financial well-being to negotiate for and or uh, vendors and other opportunities within an organization, you better really clear about what your word is, what you stand for what your values are so that you can make those decisions with ease. So it is foundational. It's not something that is just, uh, uh, like you say, uh, um, one of those soft skills development courses. I believe that it's, you know, that, that depth of clarity provides great wisdom as you, you continue to grow in your own 
you know, leadership capacity or leadership IQ. Yes, and I, and I agree, of course, but I believe also that I think a piece added to this is until we actually know who we are, what we believe, what our values are, and we're living in alignment with them, when we meet a difficult situation or a difficult person, then we tend to go, oh, now I'm unclear. And so those things kind of take us back to the wall and, and get a little scary. And we are at our most vulnerable at those moments until we have that background, that mindset that says, no, I'm okay. I know what to do with this because I know who I am. And I think, you know, in all the great work that you do with leaders, and I want you to tell us more about that, um, that you probably have to take that apart a little bit and make sure that it's underneath the surface, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. There has to be the clarity for each person so that when they face a challenging situation, it's not the thing that's going to take them out. It's going to be the thing that allows them to not only just uh, be able to be clear, but to actually demonstrate it to others. And what comes to mind as you're, as you're sharing this is after 9-11, which was a really difficult time when I was in law enforcement, I remember we were working 16-hour shifts and there was a lot of craziness and a lot of fear and, and just heightened, uh, you know, heightened awareness to where there could be a potential or a perceived a threat meaning for somebody's loss of life, like uncertainty. And, and so as, as in stepping in, into all of that, um, that's, that's a situation that is, you know, you're, you're faced with a lot that is, uh, really comes down to the, who I am and what do I, what do I stand for and what do I believe? And there was one evening where, I would say probably on my third week of working 16 hour days mm -hmm. and we received a call. I was out on the piers and received a call and the pier was divided into two areas and there were two supervisors on duty. I was one of the supervisors and we received a call and the call came over the radio and it was, it was really like an, an officer needs assistance call. And, um, it wasn't my area. And the call came out again and it came out a third time and the supervisor that was responsible for this area was not responding. And whatever the reason is that they weren't responding, I, I don't know. And, and, um, you know, to, you know, to, to this day. And so I responded and I remember, you know, in the moment thinking about, you know, this is, this is the test. This is really what it all comes down right too you know and and in that moment of challenge or difficulty you know who am i because it's easy for me to say that i believe in all these things when things are good and i'm sitting behind my desk and everything's just you know um theoretical exactly theoretical and i'm sending it in an email right <laughs> so there, that's that's different but when you're out there and you're armed and you have a uniform on and you have your badge on and you get an officer in distress call and it's not being answered potentially because somebody else is also in fear 
that really is is the test of what is it that I stand for and 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 am I capable of stepping into what that is that I actually articulate that are my values and what's most important and for me I am committed to mercy and justice and protection and my values are freedom and fun and flexibility and so I love you know when things are when I get to work different shifts and when things are flexible and when they're fun and that didn't feel like fun and that didn't feel like you know um you know like flexibility but but my higher virtues of of mercy justice and protection you know those absolutely kicked in which is the reason why I was like oh my gosh this person's like not responding and and um and so can I tell you that I was, um, you know, that I was like, yay. And you know, that I wasn't scared. No, you know, it, it was a, it was a time of, of great, a great fear. But I just remember that sort of, if you cross the line, you know, here, this is the, this is what the taking action is versus like you say, the theory. So we can talk about theory in difficult situations and who you're going to be in a negotiation or who you're going to be in, in any sort of difficult situation in dealing with people. And the reality is when you're faced with it, it's different than being in conversation. Oh, for sure. And, and that's the lived expression of your values. That's not the sought out expression of your values. And if you had to sit down and have a little think for five minutes, many people could have been in jeopardy. You didn't know. And we don't have that option. Like, we have to be able to count on ourselves to take action. And when you're in a leadership role in an organization and someone comes to you, you probably have somebody coming to you in the next three minutes. So you've got to be able to know, what am I going to respond to to this person? Because that person's coming down the hall, right? Yes. So I've got to be on top of it. I have to know. I have to have that clarity that you talk about. I have to be self-aware. I have to have done some self-reflection. So let's just talk about how this all plays out when you're a leader in an organization and people keep coming to you and say, I don't think I can work with that person another moment longer. Or do you know what this person did? Or why aren't you doing something about this? What do you tell people then, Lisa Marie? Oh, it's a great question. I, had, I think I've, you've sat in my office. <laughs> I think I've heard some of those, those questions. And, you know, so, so great because for me, what I, what I believe is so important is to, um, to, to in that moment, because it doesn't always happen, um, you know, when you're not in the middle of doing something else, right? It, it, it comes whenever it comes. Yeah. And so for me, the most important thing to, to start with is to really presence it, which is to be able to put aside whatever it is you're doing, take a deep breath, recognize that this person is in distress in whatever way that is for them. Um, and to then in that moment for me to identify, do I have the bandwidth? Like what's the, on a scale of one to 10, how big of a crisis is this? And on, you know, and do I have the bandwidth to take care of this in this moment? And um, do I have to take care of it in this moment? Because in some cases the answer is yes. And if I, if I am feeling that it would be better off at another time, to then pause, 
ask the person to explain and then to set up another time that would best that I can best give it. I feel that the the most important first step for me is always presencing it because I've had people just come in my office, I open door policy, come into my office and simply share, you know, here's what's going on. Can you believe this? This is the third time that he's done this in a week. And it's, it's like, it never comes in the moment when I'm sitting at my desk going, I wonder what my next thing is for me to do. Like that's, that's not when it, when it, when it shows up, it, it shows up right. whenever there is uh, somebody else's is, is in crisis. So, so that presencing it is first. And then, and then from there to actually have the person sit down and do their own, take a, take a deep breath and really speak about the experience first versus the, the, the feeling of the experience. Um, you know, I used to also, you know, I used to keep this box of tissues on my desk and it was always about, there's the emotional experience, but then there's also the, what actually happened. And sometimes you have to do some, um, you know, some swimming through the conversation to find out what the actual um, issue is. And in, in identifying the issue, you know, Roberta, I, I'll tell you that I can think of one situation, you know, at top of my mind where it had nothing to do with the behavior of the other person. It had more to do with what it brought on and what it triggered from an experience that happened in 1975 from another set of, you know, of colleagues. And so, you know, you, you, when you're, when you're someone who is a problem solver, there's the, um, there, there can be the desire to fix or solve the problem. And yet when you're in a situation that can be considered anything from crisis to, um, you know, to, uh, unmet expectations you're you've got to really see where where are we in in what this looks like um because there are other times when someone has come into the office to express something and express it as a disappointment and then i've gone oh my gosh like this is not a disappointment this is much more serious and this is actually like toxic work environment and harassment and this is a this this is not a little but this person is so used to yes experiencing this that they don't even know that this is an elevated situation so so i feel that you know when i when i'm in those conversations to to really understand like i say from that scale of 1 to 10 like what are we dealing with there's the situation and then there's the feeling of the person and the person may feel that this is a 10 and really in the, in, the, in the scope of things to deal with it, it's, it's, it is a 10 for them, but it's a three in where it is that I've got to deal with it. And it may be the absolute opposite where the situation might be, oh my gosh, they may think, well, here's, I'm, I'm really frustrated with this and it's, and it's actually much more significant. So separating those two between the actual event and the emotion of the event you know, is, is the next place that I always go. And you may have, you know, some, something to add there with that because... No, I love that. I love what you said because that's so instructional for everyone. Because that could be that you're having a problem with your partner or your parent. The very same thing could be happening. So again, we've kind of come full circle to the idea of how you are a leader in your own life. Because every skill that we have, in my opinion, 
every skill that we need for the big stage of the workplace is something that we are best to have first in our own private life. And so these are very important things. You know, I know you've written several books. We're going to talk about those in a sec. I wrote a book among many called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work. And it's really important for us to realize that we can build these things that we're talking about. You didn't just all of a sudden know all of that. You had to live your life. You had to be inquisitive, curious. What could I change? What could I do differently? How could I be more effective? So we're all works in progress. So I love what you're saying because that discrepancy between perception and reality like it feels like a 10, but it's really in the grand scheme of things a three, but it feels like a three, but oh my goodness, we could collapse our entire company on this lack of, of attention to a difficulty that the other person is so used to that they're only mildly bothered by. And that's really a very, very important distinction. So thank you for that. So tell us about the work that you do these days and uh, a little bit about the books you've written. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My, uh, my work these days, I get to work with leaders who want to make a difference in the world. And sometimes they're just not seen or they're not heard or, or they're not valued for a variety of reasons. And so I get to, I get to work with them to, to help make that happen so that they get to get their message out in the world. And, and the big caveat reverted is I wanted to, had them to do that and, and to have that personal brand and their, their leadership presence without having to change who they are. I think that's so important is, is uh, getting to do it authentically because uh, I've certainly made my, my share of mistakes along the way and it, it's, been, it's been messy and it's been, and it's been fun and the ability to do it in the way that's m most me, you know, is, is what makes, the, makes it joyful, what makes mm -hmm. it joyful. So. Well, I, I love that, that you added the joy in there because, you know, I was just doing an interview on another show being interviewed and I said, you know, what flips my skirt and floats my boat is to get up in the morning and help people stop tolerating verbal and emotional abuse. That it sounds like a strange thing to give you joy, but it's the same kind of thing that you're talking mm -hmm. about. Like I can take these leaders, I can give them insight, I can help them develop clarity and that brings me joy and it lets me know that the world is a little better off in that little corner because of what you did. That's it. That is, that is it. That's exactly what it is. It's that, it's that if, if, if each of these people that I get to work with get to go out and be a leader worth following in their own right and they're living out their mission and designing their destiny, then all the lives that they touched and all the things that they get to do. That's the part for me that brings me such joy because I know that, you know, the world, everybody wins, right? The, the world yeah. is a better place. That's exciting. And so I completely get it when you say that it's like, yeah. like, this is it. This is sort of like the playgrounds where it gets to happen and, and, um, and playground from the sense of fun, not because it's, it's, uh, because it's not serious. Of course it is. And, and it's fun and joyful. <laughs> yes. And so you've written a book called Designing Your Destiny. Mm -hmm. uh, also another book, which is interesting and everybody ought to have a look. It's called Connection, The New Currency. Um, I love that. I'm going to look into that one. And another one called Turn Possibilities into Realities. And for many people, we need that nudge, don't we? 
Yes. Yes. It's easy to say, one day I'm going to, or someday I will, but I've noticed that one day and someday are not on my calendar. So, <laughs> Mine either, mine either. So if I want that to happen, I'm really going to have to take some action and maybe do things a little more differently. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Lisa Marie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's truly been, it's truly been an honor and, and a delight. You know, you're, you're, you have so much wisdom and, you know, the topic about emotional savvy is something that everybody needs. It's, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not just for people who are, uh, um, who it doesn't, like you mentioned family, whether or not it's family, whether or not you're leading, you know, yourself, whether you're leading in an organization really doesn't matter. It's, it's necessary for all. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's been wonderful to have you. My guest today is Lisa Marie Pletsky. You can learn more about her at UpsideThinking.com. Got that? UpsideThinking.com. In our show notes today, she has a free gift for you. That free gift is an ebook about the three steps uh, to look into your soul's calling and have a life you love. You're going to want to get that, so look in the show notes. And uh, be with us again on Emotional Savvy. You want to learn more about my work, go to 4RelationshipHelp, F-O-R, Relationship, H-E-L-P.com, or visit my YouTube channel at, you guessed it, 4RelationshipHelp. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, Work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting 4RelationshipHelp.com, F-O-R, Relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.